Shalom, my friends. Jim Martin coming to you once again with a lesson from God's time, His truth, the Holy Word, the Bible. Pray that you will get your copy of Scripture and open it up to Daniel's prophecy, chapter 6. We will be considering today one of the most popular and famous and well-known passages of Scripture as it regards Daniel and his life and experiences in Old Testament Babylon of the 6th century before Christ walked the earth. So if you will pray with me and uh, if you will avail yourself of the study notes that I've provided a link to in my broadcast and in the podcast show notes, I think that will be very helpful for you. As usual, we won't be able to go into all the detail in those notes Uh, But you will be encouraged and challenged, I think, if you will get those notes and use them to do your own study with you, your family, your small group, whatsoever. So get your copy of Scripture in whatever language, in whatever country, in whatever translation speaks to your heart the best, and we will absolutely be going before the Lord now. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for uh, allowing us this freedom of coming to so many people all over the world. Thank you for my dear friends in our location here who have supported and encouraged us. Uh, I thank you for the facility of the Internet and even for Facebook, though it's taken so much grief from your people. Lord, it's still uh, you're able to use it to get your word out to multitudes. So, Lord, as we consider your servant Daniel and how he believed and behaved and conducted his himself in the nation of Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon, five centuries, six centuries before Christ walked the earth, we uh, are challenged and convicted, Lord, in how we behave and how we believe in 21st century Babylon. So, Father, we lay before you this study and pray that you will glorify your name and that you will equip and enable your servant we ask these in jesus name amen last week and chapter as we looked at chapter five of daniel's prophecy his book uh, we saw how the kingdom of babylon fell as predicted by god as proclaimed and prophesied uh, through daniel to Nebuchadnezzar back in chapter 2. And many years later, sure enough, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, in his arrogance, his impropriety, used the very sanctified vessel of of God to conduct his drinking party with a, a thousand of his nobles and countrymen and their wives and concubines and made a, a proper spe- spectacle of himself, uh, whereupon an uninvited and unwelcome visitor uh, attended the party. If you recall, and if you don't, then go back to chapter 5 and read that account. Uh, and uh, a sobering and uh, terrifying and fatal proclamation was written on the wall of the party chamber. Mine, mine, tekel, ufarsen. Your days are numbered. You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. We talked about Belshazzar seeking his own glory. And in in Hebrew, the word for glory uh, means weight. It is weighty. So uh, it is a something of a play on words or concepts for the Lord to write, mine, mine, your 
you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Uh, Whatever you think you've done, uh, it's insufficient to gain favor with God. Take out. Your days are numbered. Uh, Your number is up. Uh, We told you that this was going to happen. We told your grandfather this was going to happen. And and because of your impropriety and your irreverence, your disregard for the very holiness of God and his, his sovereignty, then you are a dead man. And certainly that night, the kingdom of Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. And Cyrus, the conqueror of the Medo-Persian Empire, uh, instituted his vassal Darius as the, I guess, the supervisor or the king, if you will, of the Medo-Persian Empire there in Babylon. So we Fast forward somewhat to today, today's lesson in chapter 6, and we find that Darius is uh, conducting the affairs of the Medo-Persian Inc. Uh, Empire uh, as, as it concerned the, this particular region. He had appointed 120 uh, governors, if you will, over the vast empire and the many, many people groups that had been conquered and enslaved and now we're under the under the uh, boot if you will or at least under the uh, dominion of the Medo-Persians the Medes and the Persians and so now we we find as we open chapter 6 that Darius is on his throne he has appointed these counselors Uh, Daniel is not mentioned straight away in this book. Uh, We know that he is still in a position of authority and uh, responsibility within the kingdom. Uh, He is not straight away mentioned here, uh, but we do know that the the counselors, the satraps and the the others that are were the on the king's advisory board uh, had for some reason grown jealous or suspicious or perha- perhaps even fearful of Daniel. Uh, after all, if he, having been favored by all the way back to Nebuchadnezzar and then by many others, if he indeed had been so favored, and what would happen if he were set up as prime minister? What would happen to us? So they plotted a scheme against him. They were very clever. They knew what the laws of the Medes and the Persians were. And they they also discerned that Darius was a man of great arrogance and pride. And so they said, O king, uh, live forever, blah, blah, blah. Let it be written by King Darius that no one should worship any god except your majesty. Does this not speak to this leader's, to this king's? great pride and let it be sealed and let it become a law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be altered. They did this not because they really wanted Darius to be honored but because they wanted Daniel to be done away with because they knew full well that Daniel Daniel's faith forbade him from worshiping anyone except Jehovah God. So they conned, as we would say, they connived Darius into writing this 
despotic law that no one should worship anyone but the king. Daniel heard of this, and instead of panicking, he went to his room, as was his custom, and he opened the windows towards Jerusalem, and he prayed to the God of heaven. As he did, it was his custom to do so three times a day. I can guarantee you, my friends, that these satraps and others knew about his habits. They knew that he, for sure, would not obey this law. So you know, you know the story, do you not? That they caught him praying to God. They intended to do so. I'm sure they knew his schedule. When he would throw open the, the windows to heaven and began to cry out to God in praise and in adoration and in confession, even supplication. Now, we know nothing of Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Meshach, and Abednego. We, we know nothing of what was their uh, condition or place at this point in time. We have read how they essentially also defied the king's orders. In that case, it was Nebuchadnezzar. And how he, in a rage, threw them into a furnace, only to find them released by the fire and set free from their bonds because they, they, they chose to worship God and Him alone rather than bow down to this golden statue. And now we know that Daniel will not compromise his faith. Now, my friends, this is a principal point here. We need to understand what our convictions are. And they need to be based on solid rock. And that be, being the truth of God's Word. Daniel's convictions were based on the commandment that God gave Moses back on Sinai. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images. I am the Lord your God. There is none other. I mean, here, thousand years later, those principles were still in force. Three thousand years. They are still in force today, my friends. Have no other gods before me. There is one God. I'm not him. You're not him. He is him. He is the one we worship and he alone. Daniel got it. He understood that. And he staked his life on it. So when Darius learned from these whining and conniving counselors that Daniel had disobeyed the, the very law of the Medes and the Persians and had refused to, to pray to anyone but Jehovah God, they sold him out. They betrayed him. Friend, have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever placed your trust in someone? Not that we have any indication that Daniel trusted these people any further than he in his old age could have thrown them. Uh, he didn't trust them, but they most certainly betrayed him. And I think at one point in time, if you've lived long enough, you've been betrayed. You have, you have either told someone something in confidence, or if you believed that someone was going to do something that you needed them to do, or entrusted them to do, and they betrayed you. Uh, some relationships, marriages, families have been blown apart by betrayal. 
employers have been betrayed by their employees and vice versa. Citizens have been betrayed by their government. Oh, let's not go there, shall we? And vice versa. Governments have been betrayed by citizens. That's called anarchy. My friends, we see we see that happening today. We've seen it in countries uh, th- this is the month of October in the year of our Lord 2021. We've seen riots all over the world. We've seen uh, governments fall uh, in the nation of Haiti, the island nation of Haiti. We've seen uh, now the rule of law has failed. We've seen that in, in the southern part of the North America in Mexico and Central and South America and places. The rule of law has failed. So governments, good or bad or indifferent, have been betrayed by the citizenry. So betrayal is well known by each of us who has lived long enough. And if you haven't been betrayed, I'm so happy for you. But I suspect that to one extent or another you have. So how do we how do we respond when we are betrayed? When colleagues or people that we have placed in whom we have placed our trust uh, betray us, when they go against what we have trusted them to do, when they have betrayed a confidence. Oh, my friends, what shall we do? Well, let's follow the example of Daniel. When Darius learned of Daniel's acting out of his faith and continuing to pray to the God of heaven rather than himself, he called him to account. And Daniel very simply and very calmly said, You know, you know what I believe. Now, how did Darius know? Do you not think that he had had conversations with this man? Do you, think, do you not think that Darius knew what the Jews believed? That they were monotheistic, not polytheistic? Do you, do you not think that Darius knew that Daniel was a faithful Jew, a faithful follower of Jehovah? I think he did. Daniel told him, you know. And, and Daniel was respectful and gave honor to the king. O king, live forever. And yet the decree that had been foolishly written and Sealed not only with Darius's signet ring, but with the signet rings of each and every one of the satraps, the counselors that that uh, <coughs> caused him to issue this decree. It was sealed. Now they thought this was a, a, a great honor to be able to to seal a law of the Medes and Persians. As it turns out, it was going to be it was going to be sealing their own fate, as we read to the end of the chapter. So, what was the punishment for not praying to the king, praying to any other god? I guarantee you, they were not concerned in the least about praying to any other god, to Baal or Astaroth or anybody else. They didn't care. They just didn't want Daniel praying to Jehovah God. Why? Because there is one living God, and it's not Baal, it's not any of these others. It is Jehovah. He is the living God. And so they they tripped they, they tricked Darius into to writing this proclamation. 
But as he got sealed the document, he got them to seal it. He says, I'm not doing this on my own. I'm not going into this by myself. He had a modicum of wisdom. And so when he found that his most trusted advisor, the most valuable man in his kingdom, none other than Daniel himself, had refused this order and had continued to faithfully serve Jehovah, I think Darius looked for every win, every way he could. Yeah, the, the word says he looked everywhere. He says, try. He tried to set Daniel free, but the counselors would not allow it. They kept bringing him back. This is the law of the land. You, you, even though you're king, you wrote it. You wrote this decree. You have to divide. You have to obey this decree. So, Darius was in what we call a four-way bind. He was trapped. And against his wisdom and against everything he believed, he had to carry out the sentence. He at least had that much, much integrity. And so, my friends, Daniel was thrown into the den of lions. Darius fully expected and trembled knowing what would happen to that poor old man when he hit the bottom of that that cave. He knew natural laws and the way animals behave. Daniel was a dead man. All he could hope was that he would not suffer. But there was a modicum of belief in Darius. He had heard the stories of his predecessors. What had happened in the fiery furnace. What had happened we don't know how many other times. When the law of God and the truth of God and the people of God were tested and they were found faithful and God was found faithful, we know what happened and he knew what had happened. And so he he issued this proclamation. Oh, Daniel, may your the God that you serve rescue you. And then they sealed up... The, the cave and the clap, <laughs> clap traps is what I want to call it, set traps. These great counselors and uh, cabinet members and parliamentarians and magicians and all these people were just having a party. They knew that Daniel was cat food. They, they knew that Daniel was, was a goner. Uh, he says nobody can survive that, right? He is gone. The, the, the lions have done away with him. All we've got to do is clean up the mess if there's any left. So Daniel was proven and God was proven. Let's just read. Take your copy of scripture and let's, let's read in, in Daniel's chapter 6. Let's just see what, what's happening here, shall we? I'm going to read from the New American Standard. It says, a stone was brought on. Look at uh, Daniel 6.16. The king gave order, orders. Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve constantly, will himself deliver you. Now, does that sound like a statement of faith? I think Darius knew that there were supernatural powers. There was a supernatural God that was looking after Daniel and the faithful Jews. 
And he he just entrusted that. He said, I'm going to do what I'm, I've got to do, but may your God take care of you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed regarding Daniel, and the deed was done. And, and yet the king went off to his palace, a broken and depressed man. He spent the night fasting. Now there's no indication that he also prayed. He had many gods to whom he could pray, but none of them could rescue Daniel. Perhaps he did seek Jehovah. We're not told that in the record. He spent the night fasting. Well, he wasn't the only one. Daniel was fasting. The the lions were fasting. I I don't think it was their idea. It wasn't because they they were well fed and weren't hungry. Daniel said uh, that God sent an angel to stop their mouths. Maybe they tried to eat him and couldn't. Who knows? Then the king arose at dawn. The king got up at at the break of day and ran, I think, ran to the cave where Daniel was. And at this cave, he said, Oh, Daniel, oh, Daniel, has the God whom you serve been able to rescue you? Has he rescued you? And we know the rest of the story here that Daniel most certainly had not been molested by these lions. We know that. We also know that Daniel was still respectful of Darius. And Darius, by this time, was fed up with his conniving counselors. By this time, Darius said, Get him out of there and throw these men in with their wives and children. When, it came to, when it, he had come to the den, near to the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice, the king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lion? But what was he listening for? A roar or a still small voice? And Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, so, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I ha- was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Daniel maintained his integrity, and he maintained his faith in Jehovah God as, as ultimate judge. Note, my friends, that there's a similarity between Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, and when they were thrown into the furnace, the execution furnace. And here Daniel's thrown into a lion's den of execution. Notice this. They were not in there alone. Nebuchadnezzar looked in the furnace and saw a fourth individual in there, a fourth entity. Perhaps this was a pre-incarnate Christ. We don't know. Perhaps it was an angel like Daniel is is identifying the personage here. We don't know. It doesn't really matter. But the fact is that when you're in trouble, when you have defied an order in order to follow God and be faithful to Him and not defile yourself, you can defy that order with trepidation, my friends. But do not defile yourself. Note that the consequences that you will face, you will not face alone. Now, if you're doing this on your own, you very well may face them on your own. But see, there was a fourth person in the furnace. There was a second person in the lion's den. These people 
holy entities were in there with God's servant. Wherever they were, they were in there. So, the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no injury, whatever, was found upon him because he trusted in his God. Very similar, very similar words to those found in chapter 3 in the fiery furnace incident. Very, very similar words. The fact is, no injury. In in the case of uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, the only thing missing was the ropes that bound them together. Oh, and the executioners that threw them in, uh, they were missing because they were, di- they were dead, right? And we're going to see what happened to Daniel's actual executioners. Then the king gave orders, and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel and cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Okay, so you're proud and honored that the king asked you to seal the, the stone, uh, the, seal the tomb, if you will, with your signet ring? Ah, and that's, you have just signed your own death warrant. That's what happened, my friends. But we're not finished yet. Let's look at the proclamation. Fairly common in Daniel's stories. Anytime the, the servants of God were accused and abused, and then they were justified, they were shown to be true, this inevitably happened. Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and men of every language who were living in the land of the Medo-Persians. He said, May your peace abound. I make a decree, a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, and who also has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. My friends, Who are you praying for in your respective governments? Are you praying for the people on the news or on the newspaper or on the television, on the internet? Are you praying for those that, that are the presidents, the prime ministers, the kings, the queens? Are you praying for them? Well, of course we do. But who are the real people of power in any of these dominions? They are the people behind the scenes, people who are whispering sometimes shouting into the leader's ears. Those are the people of power. You don't know their names more than likely, but God does. I propose to you, my friends, that they are the ones you really need to be praying for. And here's what I pray. This isn't necessarily the only way we can pray for these people, but this is how I pray. I pray that God would raise up godly counsel, wise counsel for our leaders at every level. I pray that God would utterly confound, confuse, and thwart all the counsel, the strategy, the advice 
of the evil ones. That he would strip away their covering. That they would be exposed for the evil that they are. And that our leaders at every level would have the wisdom and discernment to seek and to recognize wise counsel, God, godly counsel, biblically-based counsel. We don't have to go beating people over the head with the Bible. We just need to make sure our counsel, and we, and you and I, whatever level of, a, of the dominion we're in, we also can exert wisdom by writing letters, by communicating with, with uh, the people that we know their names and their addresses. We can write letters, not vindictive and hateful letters, but respectful. Look at the patterns that Daniel and his friends uh, used in their communications with their superiors. Why? Because they recognized that God had instituted every level and every form of authority. And that he maintains watch over us. When God puts an authority over us, it doesn't matter if we like them or not, my friends. What matters is if we're going to submit ourselves to his sovereignty as is being worked out through the authorities. So you you be praying, not just for your president or prime minister or whomever is in charge of your country, but you be praying for his advisors, and you don't have to know their name. It would probably be good for you to exercise some uh, diligence in finding out who are the counselors, who are the people on the president or the king or the prime minister's cabinet, uh, who are the people in the back rooms, and you just you just pray up a hedge of protection around them and pray for wisdom and pray that God would confound and confuse and thwart the counsel of the ungodly. Okay? Can we all do that for our respective governments and then trust God and obey Him regardless of the consequences? Can we do that? I think it'd be good. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters and friends and relatives out there. And I, and I thank you for this encouraging and challenging story from your servant Daniel. Uh, we know it's true, and we know, Lord, that the principles of truth, as revealed in your holy word, that they are valid forever. And so, Lord, give us wisdom and courage to live by them, to operate in every facet of our lives according to your truth. And we'll give you praise. Lord, we shouldn't wait for the pagans to give you praise. We, we ought to get about that our, our own selves right now. Lord, we give you praise and honor and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, my friends. We'll talk next week.